ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. It's Friday, January 30th, 2015. And we have a guest today that has built an amazing, and I I really even hesitate to call it a following because that that, uh, somehow sounds uh, uh, less valuable than it really is. Uh, He has over... Uh, 253,000 followers on Twitter, and for any of you who've tried to build up a Twitter following uh, in your business or, or in your personal branding, uh, that that is not an easy feat. So let me introduce you to Dan Rockwell and let him tell a bit of your story. Dan, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. It's great to be with you today. Well, I love uh, how you position yourself. First of all, uh, you've got a very, very interesting background, which which I want to dive into in a few minutes. But your Twitter handle is actually Leadership Freak, which which I love. Uh, It really sets you apart as, uh, you know, people know that you're not just going to deliver the ordinary information about leadership. And I just want to read uh, to our listeners uh, your, your summary on Twitter, which says, my dream is when people see me, they think that uh, that guy made my life better. Creating clarity through curiosity, presenter, author, MBA, and happily married, which, uh, again, I, I really love it when successful people talk about the, the role that their, their spouse and their happiness and their marriage make. So, Dan, why don't we dive in with you telling us about your background? Because, again, it, you're not the normal leadership uh, guru. Well, um, I don't know how far you want me to go back. I'm a Maine boy originally. I was brought up on a dairy farm in Maine, which uh, makes me uh, not a Mainer, which would be better. We call ourselves maniacs, and uh, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a maniac, although now I live in Pennsylvania and have for about 27 years, and, and here we're Pennsylvanians, which is so much nicer, isn't it? You know, It is. <laughs> <laughs> Pennsylvaniac, that doesn't work. But anyway, I'm a farm boy and, and uh, learned about work and loved to work. And, you know, it was a great life. I wouldn't want to be on a dairy farm today, but I'm so glad that that's part of my journey. Went off to school. I've been to school several times. And uh, the first time I went to school, I went to, I earned a, theology, a degree in theology and have been engaged in uh, church-type ministries and work um, really all of my life and then have also earned degrees in uh, construction and design and an MBA and been in higher Very ed. Very interesting all. mix. And that, that's what I was saying uh, is, you know, those who are, are active uh, in their church understand that leadership does play an important role, and, and you know, as do marketing and figuring out how, how to establish thought leadership in, in, uh, in what you're preaching from the pulpit. Uh, but having that background in theology and pastoral ministry, uh, you know, coupled with construction and design, how did you get there? What what was the interest that took you in that direction? Well, I've always been involved in a lot of things, and that's that has a good side and that has a bad side. And I've always been taking courses, and I ended up working at an affiliate of Penn State where I could take schooling uh, either for free or get reimbursed for uh, courses I took other places. And, and uh, that, uh, my interest in 
carpentry and furniture building, which I do some did some furniture building. Um, it took me into the construction and design area. So it's uh, it is different, isn't it? Uh, you know, you the <laughs> very on, much so. Yeah. So, but uh, and, you know, and so today it. you're you're doing keynote speaking, you're doing workshops uh, for clients, uh, and really focusing in uh, on the leadership talk topic. And you began your blog back in January of 2010. And, uh, you know, again, you've established a global following uh, on your blog, which, again, is, is no small feat. So talk to me a little bit about why you started uh, writing that blog. I started writing the blog because I was afraid that I wouldn't matter in life. And uh, I, I, it's a funny thing to say, but uh, I went through a, a – a, not a midlife crisis, but I've had many midlife crises. I'm a huge fan of them, and I think we all should have lots of them. And uh, <laughs> one of those one of those times, uh, you know, you come out on the other side kind of evaluating yourself. And honestly, I was afraid I wouldn't matter. And I thought, I'm passionate about this, and I just started writing because I needed to get some things out of myself. Well, and, and again, you've been very, very successful in, in translating uh, your study of leadership over the last 10, ten years uh, into materials that have been reprinted and, and syndicated with American Marketing Association, American Management Association, the Society for Human Resource Management, Deloitte Leadership, uh, Huffington Post, and, and probably a whole host of others that I don't know about. So did did they just stumble on your blog, or or did you somehow reach out to them to find out how you could work with those organizations? I didn't reach out to them, um, but I also was not passive about getting the word out, which is one of the things I love about social media. There's it's one thing to kind of drop something out on the internet and hope that somebody's somebody finds it, and the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim. Right. But uh, social media is really the opportunity for those of us who like to take initiative. Uh, we don't have to wait. We can uh, start uh, pushing out our material, and uh, hopefully it will get traction with people. And in, in my case, I've been very, very fortunate that it has it has gotten traction. Right. So you use uh, some tools that allow you uh, to perhaps – appear a little bit more present than you are. And I think most of us who are active in social media uh, use those tools. So what, what's your favorite tool uh, to make sure that you can get posts going out on, on a fairly frequent basis, even if you're not actually at the keyboard at that particular moment? Well, for I use one tool uh, for Twitter. Twitter is at, at the foundation of uh, my social media activities. And the reason for that is um, it is, I think, the easiest place to build an audience. It's never easy to build an audience, but of all the uh, all the areas where we can build audi- an audience, like LinkedIn, Facebook, on the blog, uh, it seems to Pinterest, you know, all of these areas, it seems to me that Twitter is the easiest place to build a relationship. So I use a tool called TweetDeck for scheduling my tweets. I tweet ab- about once an hour. And uh, I try to schedule those in the morning. I try to get all this work done by around 9 a.m. And uh, so I'm not always on when people respond, but I do try to respond to people. So I use TweetDeck. Right. Right. That's terrific. I I have found uh, uh, the tool that I use most often is BufferApp because uh, I can – 
uh, also schedule things out, and I can, I, I've got a little icon on my page where if I read something cool, I can just highlight it, and then uh, that gets tweeted out. So, uh, and, and it also goes on LinkedIn, which is a, a huge uh, area for me because I'm reaching out very much to a business-to-business professional audience. Mm-hmm. So, what, is um, that, what is that called, Chicky? It's Social? called Buffer App, B-U-F-F-E-R-A-P-P. And uh, it's very cool because you can put uh, put their tool right on your your uh, browser toolbar, and you know again I can I can highlight uh, just even from your your uh, blog page on your about page, and and I can tweet that out and then people will come to your blog page. So it's it's very nice, uh, you know. And and again, each of us finds something that works for us. And you know, what's the best tool? The one that works for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great my way philosophy. To say it. Yep, fantastic. So you're you're writing, and and you know I'm I'm a writer as well, and and I tend to write longer pieces, and and it's really actually much harder, and takes more time to write something short. <laughs> so tell me your philosophy about writing and and having a successful blog, because Twitter is one thing of you know coming up with the 140 character uh, brilliance. But you you actually take some more time uh, in your blog, which is called uh, Leadership Freak. Tell me about your writing. Right, Chicky. I'll tell you, uh, first of all, just uh, the connection between blogging and Twitter. Uh, for me, a good blog is going to have three or four great built-in tweets, right? And, and, and I'm just going to copy and paste them into TweetDeck and then use TweetDeck to, to uh, dis- disseminate them. So I'm always thinking about a way to create some sentences that are short and have real punch to them that I can use uh, out on Twitter. So, right. Uh, well, you would love there. Buffer App then because, again, you write and then you pull your your blog up, highlight the sentence, and then hit Buffer App, and it will go out uh, to Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest, uh, you know, whatever you want it to go to. Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for uh, saying that. I'm definitely going to uh, go out and explore it once uh, once we hang out today. Yeah. So, what do you do your writing? Do you do it at the same time every day, or or is there a particular time that that you're just mo- more motivated and focused? Yes, I I'm an early riser and I uh, do it uh, in the morning. And uh, it's a little more difficult when you travel to the West Coast from the East Coast because. In the morning on the West Coast is like 2 a.m., and uh, you know on the East Coast it's I get up at any time between 4 and 5 and uh, come down, and I just have made a personal commitment to write every day and uh, or just about every day. Now on the weekends I ease up, and lots of times I don't post until later in the day, but through the week it's it's very early, and it is a rhythm and it is a pattern which is something I really recommend for people who want to write. Right. Well, and I, I think that also speaks to your success because frequency of, of writing and, and frequency of having content out there that is accessible by others uh, is a major factor in becoming recognized as a leader uh, in the blogging world. And, and you were recognized as the most socially shared leadership blog of 2012 and 2013. Now, Here's a secret you can share with me. So how do you turn those readers into subscribers to the blog? Um, I, I have a very well-read blog, and, and I you know, have, have similar kinds of numbers of my readers, but I can't get them to subscribe. And, and I think they're just using 
blogger as a tool to page through content, and, and they just read my content on a regular basis. But, but I don't have the subscriber numbers that you do. What's your secret? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what my secret is, Chicky. I, I will say <laughs> this. My, you know, I am the audience. That's the first thing. I'm, you know, say, why is the blog 300 words? Um, because I don't like reading long articles. Now, some people enjoy kind of digging in. Well, that's, that's their audience, and that's the way they ought to write. For me, um, what you see on the page is, is uh, something that appeals to me. And what has happened is that uh, people appreciate the brevity, and so they dare, I think anyway, they dare to subscribe. And I'll ask people, why did you subscribe? I, I try to sometimes send emails out. Uh, to people who subscribe, and they're, they're not automated, just personal emails. And I'll ask them, if you don't mind me asking, uh, you know, what motivated you to allow another email to hit your inbox? And invariably, it is not about uh, that I'm such a great writer. I mean, that comes later maybe for them. But invariably, they're going to say it's short. And I think it sort of lets people feel safe that they can let me in because <laughs> – they know it's consistently going to be 300 words or less. Right, right. Yeah, and I love your imagery and and uh, the one uh, I guess this is yesterday's uh, blog is uh, talking about how real leaders give authority and not permission. And you've got a great picture of of a submarine, and I'm I'm a fan of uh, of submarine movies, so that that appealed to oh. me. So. Uh, how do you how do you pick your pictures? Where where do you find them? Because uh, I I think that's really the difference between now and and you know five or ten years ago, uh, you know when people started using these tools to communicate is that the imagery is so important now. Okay, yeah, that's a great question, and uh, uh, almost everything I get now I used to just go out when I didn't have. Uh, the large following, I used to just go out and, and basically hijack images. And then people started asking me, where do you get these from? And all of a sudden I started realizing, you know what, maybe I better not be just using anybody's images. Absolutely. And that, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because a lot of people don't know that you can actually get sacked with uh, some pretty hefty fines and, and uh, you know lawsuits when you happen to pick an image from somebody's website that looks innocuous and then you find out that they uh, hijacked the image from somebody else who didn't buy it from iStock Photo or one of the major uh, photo houses. And they do have the ability to go out and track those down. Yes, yes. So um, as as things started growing, I st- you, you learn as you go. And, uh, you know, so then people would say, you know, where did you get that from? And I would say, and then they'd say, well, do you have permission? And I would say, well, no, I thought it was like fair use. And, and they would say, you can't do that. And so I haven't changed them all out yet, but uh, sometimes I do actually go back and change some of them out. Today, uh, I would say 99% of the images you see on my blog are from a website called MorgFile, M-O-R-G-U-E, F-I-L-E, morgue, morgue file, and these are uh, images that don't require any sort of attribution. They are uh, public use, and and uh, I will go out there and just sometimes I'll do a search, and other times I'll just scan through looking for an image that captures my, gives me some sort of reaction because, right, um, right. Uh, you know, that's important for me. I want to I have a reaction to it. 
Well, and, and that's interesting because uh, a lot of times I will get my ideas from that. I actually take inspiration uh, from photos or um, I have a couple of favorite uh, business cartoon sites. Um, uh, there's a guy named, uh, well, he calls himself the Marketoonist. I don't know if you've ever looked at that. But he actually allows bloggers to use his cartoons because it's good good advertising for him. But, you know, he's very, very blunt about kind of the silly things that we do uh, in business and and uh, kind of makes open fun of it, but in, in a really clever, uh, thought-provoking way. And so I will frequently include uh, his cartoons, and uh, I've, I've got a blog uh, that is is about um, kind of taking a look at the silly things we do in life, and and we call it uh, managing mischief because there's there's a lot of mischief in in business and actually in leadership too. So, Dan, what are what are some of the things that you want to do moving forward? Um, you know, have you thought about writing a book? Um, you know, what's next? Um, I've been writing a book for about three years. I should say I've been <laughs> writing. I've been writing several books, and and uh, I've been approached by publishers about doing something. And uh, I think uh, for that to happen for me, I'm I'm going to have to kind of set aside time and stop doing the other things that I'm doing. Um, and it does. It just kind of it scares me. I'm overwhelmed by the idea of writing a book. Uh, coming down and putting 300 words on the page. Um, I, I seem to be able to do that. It takes me a couple hours, and I get that done. But writing a book is sort of like this gigantic elephant that I don't even dare to attack. It's just too big for me. So, but someday, well, you know, hopefully. it's funny because having having done these interviews now for gosh, almost eight years, when I go to Barnes and Noble, I'll stand in front of the business book section, and you know, I'll think, oh, I've interviewed that one and that one and that one, mm-hmm. and I do get overwhelmed too when I see. Uh, just the breadth of of talent out there because there are some amazing authors, but you know there's always someone who you know who needs to see your story. So you know there's so many different ways to publish, and I think you know the the blog format is so great for those of us who have always wanted to write a book, but. Uh, you know, haven't really gotten it all on paper yet. So I, I'm right with you, and I think um, uh, I was sharing on uh, Bob Berg's uh, group that I'm writing a book called uh, with the same kind of allegorical novel style that he did uh, with John David Mann in, in The Go-Giver, uh, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And, you know, I, I always, every time I'd start to write a book, it would always be my life story, and it's like, who who wants to read that? So, you know, I always put that aside, but the allegorical style, I think, is one of the most interesting, and so I'm writing a book called uh, My Life is a Game Changer, but again, it's not about me, it's about the character of the book. So, anyway, we we will uh, perhaps go on that journey together somewhere uh, here in the future. So, where did you get linked up with Bob Berg? Because that's where I met you. Yes, you know, Bob Berg is awesome. And uh, he, he's uh, pretty active on social media, and uh, I would be—I consistently receive books in the mail from publishers be, because the blog gets some traction, and they, you know, they enjoy it if I talk about it. And one of Bob's books came to me, and I started saying to publishers maybe three years ago, um, if I mention a book, I'm going to need to talk to the author, and because yeah. for me, you learn from these people, right? And uh, 
that's that's uh, how I initially connected with Bob, and I just hold him in such high regard and can so appreciate his passion and uh, you know what he's doing. He's just a he's a he's a model for me, and I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, I mean he's he's been a really really important person in my life, uh, really since I read the book, and and actually I think John David. Uh, man contacted me first right after I read the book, I, and I picked the book up in a, an airport in Atlanta, you know, an airport bookstore, and got on a plane that was, you know, terribly delayed. And uh, by the time I landed in Tampa, I had finished the book, and I wasn't off the airplane before I was sending them a note because it was so impactful. And, you know, really in talking about leadership, many of the things in The Go-Giver uh, certainly have impacted my, my leadership style. So, you know, tell, tell me your takeaways, uh, because I know you're active in The Go-Giver uh, international community, uh, which, again, is, is where we encountered one another. As far as you're speaking of, as far as the ideas um, like uh, uh, the law of influence or those types of things, or what yes. we're thinking of? Yes, yes, for our listeners who may not be familiar with with Bob's work. You know, for me, um, ideas about moving first and giving first are uh, really powerful, and this is where social media, I think, gives us the opportunity to do that. And so when you think about the go-giver, this is a person, you know, Bob says, you know, a go-giver will get so far, but, you know, a go-giver will get further, and... uh, I think social media allows us to do this, and it doesn't cost a lot financially. It, it does cost the giving of ourselves and uh, and some time, but uh, this idea to me is is really really powerful. Bob's also taught me about you know the, the law of, of receptivity, right? Where it, it's okay to be paid. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, one, absolutely. Yeah, it's one thing, you know, give, 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 but uh, it's another thing to say you have value. And, and he teach, he taught me, you know, the idea of value is how far we go beyond, like minimum right. requirements or what is expected and uh, what people pay for, that what they feel like they're paying for, you know, going beyond that, that's value. Just, just such powerful ideas. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing I remember from the book is is the discussion about how, if we only uh, were able to exhale, uh, we wouldn't make it very far. And, and he, they liken it to, you know, to giving. Is you know, some people say, well, you know, I, I just love to give, and they never learn how to receive. And and it's it's uh, looking at the ocean and how you know the ebb and flow of the tide of you know it it can't just go out all the time it eventually has to come in, so uh, I that is the hardest lesson I think for most people with a giving heart is, is that that piece, and uh, again relating that back to business and being willing to make money uh, with the gifts that God's given us because, you know, I look at my own life and I, sometimes I wonder how in the world I got here, right? And, and I, I'm a strategic consultant, but I was a college dropout. I went to Oral Roberts University for one semester and wrote a paper on the value of experience versus education and went home and asked my parents if I could quit and uh, just get into the business world. So, you know, it's it's funny how things shake out. But let let's talk a little bit about leadership and and really the the top couple of tenets uh, that you keep coming back to in your blog. So, what what would you say the the number one lesson uh, that 
is a thread throughout all of your leadership blogs? Uh, who before what and who before how. It's really a lesson about uh, authentic leadership uh, apart from uh, this sense of who we are and, and knowing who we are. Apart from that, leadership really becomes manipulation. It really becomes the employing of techniques and strategies to get what you want. Uh, so for me, everything starts with um, this, this sense of who am I? And as a main boy, I have to tell you something. This whole, these, all these ideas, they kind of freak me out a little bit. It's like, you know, as a maniac, it's like, you know, we're, we're about getting your business done and it doesn't really matter what, you know, just go do it. You're responsible. And, and, and I still hold to these ideas, but there is this sense of self-awareness now that is so important in the writing process, in the speaking process, in the coaching and consulting process. You know this, Chicky. There's a sense of, of uh, self-monitoring, self-awareness, and, and knowing who you are. And that idea right there is, uh, for me, at the heart of what it means to become a leader. Right. And and again, the thing I love about what you do with the images is is you you lay the top uh components of of the blog onto that image. And I'm looking at one now uh from earlier this week that says traditional leaders push and coaching leaders create pull. And it's a beautiful image of of a, a flame it looks like. Um and and I I just love that uh because the natural things that we want to do don't always work in leadership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, my interview right. from last week was why motivating people doesn't work uh, because they have to find that motivation from within and anything else is they're just being compliant <laughs> right and and they're not they're not following uh, so uh, it's a very very interesting concept what was the uh, who was the person you were talking to last week oh her name is Susan Fowler yeah, and she uh, she works that. for Ken Blanchard Yes, I read the book and talked with her. Great book. Yeah, yeah, she she's amazing, and uh, you know she's just created such an interesting model on the spectrum of motivation. Um, you know, I, I I had meant to write about that this week because that really impacted me, and I love models uh, in my own consulting uh, that I do, um, and uh, you know, love to be able to give a book, uh, you know, copies of a book to. Uh, to my clients, because I, I often think that they just need to get out of their own way and and uh, you know look at somebody else's way of doing things sometimes and uh, you know one way is you you can't hold on to one book. I mean I, re- I remember when Good to Great was was popular and and you know and I did use uh, the model from that book uh, quite a bit. But you know over time you do have to change and and look at what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. You sure do. So uh, what are some of the other books that have, have impacted you, uh, you know, in, in opening your eyes to, to new ways of looking at things? Well, my favorite book is usually the one I'm reading, and uh, I, I always seem to fall in love in a sense uh, and admire an author who is putting themselves out there. Um, and uh, I, I just read Turn the Ship Around, which has been out a while, Um and, and that you know, I wrote about that. That's that's good. I think a long-term impact book for me is uh, is a book. I'm looking on my shelf right now, trying to spot it because I want to re- say say it right. But it's called it's called Focus, 
and uh, I'm embarrassed. There it is. It's called Focus by Heidi Grant Halverson and uh, E. Tori Higgins. And I'll tell you why this book has had such an impact on me. Um, dealing with teams, it, it seems to me like there, there are always some people who seem like foot draggers to me. I'm the uh, let's go, let's go, let's go, we'll figure it out. And then there are people who are like always explaining why it won't work. And uh, Heidi talks about this, the people who are promoters and people who are protectors or preventers. They prevent errors. And uh, that book changed the way I think about the people in my life who are always seem to be who always seem to be raising red flags. There's so much value there, and we need to uh, learn to respect each other and and come together. So I think that book in the last year, anyway, I'm probably thinking about nearly every day something I learned from that one. Wow. Well, I just ordered it and I found it for two dollars and forty five cents in hardback. New on Amazon. How about that? <laughs> That's fantastic. I know Heidi. I chatted with her a few months ago, and I think they're working on another book. So, but anyway, that's a that's a good one. How about you? You know, you were mentioning the Go Giver. What what's another one that you really like a lot? Oh, I tell you what, I have done so many interviews of of just absolutely amazing um, authors. Um, you know. I, I will have to just think about that. Uh, again, I, recently um, I, I uh, interviewed Peter Shankman, who is a, a social media guru, and he wrote a book called Zombie Loyalists. And actually, the day or a couple of days before my interview with him, I thought I left the book in the seat back pocket of, of the airplane. <laughs> and I was just devastated because I had written notes all the way through uh, the book. And one of you know, one of the things I do when I read a book is I, I do have a pen in hand so I can put notes in the margins, and, and usually I'll use that two or three pages at the back of a book, which you always wonder why publishers do that. But it is a great place to put your kind of your action list of what you want to do from that book. And uh, I after the interview with Peter, I found the book, so I, I, I do have it, and I didn't actually leave it on the plane. Um, but Peter just really talks about putting the customer at the center of an organization. And one of the things I think uh, organizations do poorly, uh, even when they decide to be customer-centric, is they forget that many employee groups are the internal customer within a company. And so finance is there to service the front line, to help them you know, put the right deal together. Legal is there to serve the frontline salespeople, you know, to turn contracts around quickly. And, you know, and, and in so many organizations, legal and finance are like they're at the top of the pyramid. You know, every, everything serves them. Um, so, you know, I, I have spent all of my time in my consulting firm for, you know, the better part of 19 years helping companies refocus uh, on the customer, which leads to growth. And they think, you know, that the customer just loves them when they do grow because they're the biggest, the best, and they've got the best products. And, and so Peter helped me uh, really turn around my thinking there and, and come up with some, you know, very, very practical things. Um, but again, I mean, there there are just so many, it's it's hard, hard, hard to come mm. up with one or two. I know what you're saying. You know, when I read a book, I'm the same way. I'm marking it and underlining it. And 
honestly, uh, for me, a great book is one that helps me think my own thoughts. And I'm scribbling ideas down. And sometimes it goes way on a tangent, you know. To, but they, it, it, an author inspires me to think about something. Uh, Daring Greatly, uh, Brene Brown's book, which is, again, you know, a couple, two or three years ago, that uh, that book is an amazing book about vulnerability. Love that book too. Right. Well, you know, it's it's funny because my husband uh, over the last few years keeps asking me why I do this radio show. Uh, because in, when we first launched uh, the Executive Girlfriends Group, this program was at four o'clock on Fridays, and we had. Uh, a lot of our members who would call into the show and then we would in I'd do the interview of the author and then they would have a chance to talk to the author and and then would have a chance to talk to each other once uh, that person uh hung up and then once we started dis- distributing our our programs on Blog Talk Radio and on um uh iTunes that listenership uh and and the participation in the live calls went away and so my husband kept saying, you know, why are you doing this? And it's like, this is for me. I mean, this is like, it's business school. I go to business school every Friday at noon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I would encourage you to think about about doing a radio show because you would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks for saying that. And and uh, it's interesting to hear how that's that's worked for you. Because I, oh I yeah, like, I mean I've interviewed. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Patty probably has a better number, but I, I think it's over four hundred authors. And, you know, somebody asked me, well, you know, how do you spend you know, all that time preparing? It's like, no, really. Um, the best interviews are the ones where, you know, they've sent me the book in the mail. I've got it in front of me. I, I may or may not have read much of it uh, before the show, but I do the interviews from the table of contents of the book. And so now everybody knows my secret. Um, and I look at how the book is laid out, and I am a sucker, uh, you know, for uh, especially business books that do have models, uh, you know, uh, as I was mentioning about Susan's uh, model that lays out the psychological needs and self-regulation uh, of people as they interact together. And, uh, you know, I, if if somebody sends me a book and it's got like really dinky margins and things aren't laid out professionally, even if the content is good, it you know, I get so many just like you. I mean, I'm constantly getting books in the mail. And uh, anyway, and I look at the cover. I mean, I, I have to admit, uh, covers really grab me. And sometimes I'll just go to the library and, and see what jumps off the shelf at me. Absolutely. You know, I, I like to get this uh, sense of some sort of a reaction or response, whether it's an image for a blog post or whether it's something on the book. You know, it's like it, if it tugs at me, it's uh, so much more interesting. Exactly. Well, Dan, I, you know, we are uh, at the bottom of the hour and a little bit past, and I want to be mindful of your time. But I have just so enjoyed uh, talking to you. And for those of you who have not subscribed, uh, who are not uh, some of the 300-plus thousand people who have subscribed, the blog is Leadership Freak. And, and is it .wordpress.com or is it .com? It's .wordpress.com. Okay. All right, great. So leadershipfreak.wordpress.com. And again, remind us, it's Leadership Freak on Twitter is your handle? That's correct. It's, and and um, 
be careful because it's going to be about once an hour if you <laughs> if you uh, join me there. I'm generally going to be that, and I will. I'll do my best to respond to, to people. And if somebody wants to drop an email, they can drop an email to dan at leadershipfreak.com. That is so great, and and thanks for sharing your story and and. Uh, just for giving us those amazing snippets uh, on leadership every day. I've really, really enjoyed uh, reading your blog. Dan, have a great weekend, and I look forward to seeing you over on the uh, the Go-Giver group. Yes, thank you, Chickie, and you too have a great weekend, and uh, I'll be thinking of you when it's in the single digits here. And you're 75. <laughs> yes, and we're uh, we're looking at our palm trees. Although it is a bit chilly for for us Floridians, we wear parkas when it's uh, I don't want to hear fifties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my dear. Well, God bless and have just an amazing weekend. Thank you. Take care, Chicky. You've been listening to the Game Changer, ideas, inspiration innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.